The Sons of Saturday podcast is brought to you by our friends at Main Street Pharmacy. Located right on Main Street in Blacksburg, Virginia, Main Street Pharmacy is proudly owned by a Hokie family and has been a partner of this podcast since 2020. MSP offers free delivery, curbside pickup, and vaccinations as well. If you are a student or resident in the Blacksburg area, you can always trust that at Main Street Pharmacy, you are not just a number, you are a neighbor. afternoon everybody wednesday july 5th it's 8 30 p.m for dinner i had chipotle for dinner pat had kava we both decided to attack the assembly line pat double double protein today uh single protein avocado heavy on the corn loaded up with feta mediterranean pickles they were just extremely liberal with the Mediterranean pickles today. I was like, oh my gosh, would you like some kava with your mid picks? <laughs> and uh, I mean, I wasn't complaining. I, I like the Mediterranean pickles. Been gone a little longer than normal. Enjoyed the 4th of July festivities. Uh, I headed down the shore, saw a Bruce Springsteen cover band, which was fantastic. I went to a Yankees game. First time in Yankee Stadium since I watched a football game in Yankee Stadium. A little bit of a <laughs> A little bit of a different environment. Had some fireworks. They played Enter Sandman. That was cool. Um, some jerk Yankee fan sweating all over himself. Every time the Yankees hit three home runs in one inning, and he would take his uh, he would take his Bud Light and he would spray it up in the air on top of everybody, which wasn't funny the first time, wasn't funny the second time, and wasn't funny the third time. Don't be that guy. But that was my 4th of July. I am here in New Jersey. I have moved out of Fairfax. And um, we'll be here for a little while until headed down to uh, help out Jackson. who just bought a house in Pensacola. There's a quick catch-up on what, what I'm doing, Pat. How was your 4th of July? Good. I hung out in the Queen City. Went out and hung out. You know, went to my new favorite place, Goldie's. Mm. If, if you're local to the 704. Check it out. They got a lot of good live music. Rocking 80s cover band on, uh, I guess, it's Saturday night. Sunday, we went to the U.S. national team game uh, at the bank, B of A. They- Wait, we have we have to talk about that. Because yeah. I'm actually, at first, I only read the tweet. So you participated in the wave. Hey, back up a little bit. Your audio is coming in a little, a little fuzzy. Is that better? It's a little better. There we go. Talk to me about the wave that you partook in. I mean, yeah, the wave. If you're at an international soccer game, people are banging drums and ripping vuvuzelis. I mean, the wave is kind of just like the cherry on top of the experience. Okay. I've never, I have never said that the wave shouldn't take place at anywhere outside of Lane Stadium, to be honest with you. That's true. I think soccer, there's – you know, it's such a no, no, yes sport, and it's so long, and there are dull moments where you can do it. We can all agree, though, one or two run ball game in a baseball game, close football game on third down. Um, so I'll actually say wave approved in that in that situation. When the, when the stakes are not high, 
when you have to create your own kind of fun outside of the game that's going on, completely okay. So um, crisis mode averted. John Cran, I hope you're okay. Seems like you were freaking out a little bit. Um, but I guess I guess we're all good. Um, it's fine. Just don't do it in lanes. I, I guess that was always the rule. That will still yes. be the rule. That's my rule. Hey, you can choose to follow it or not. Um, but do not do it in Lane Stadium if it's a one-score game and it's the third or fourth quarter. If it's any quarter, it just we're there to make an impact. Completely and agree. The wave in Lane Stadium when it you know we're not up three scores in the fourth, just kind of a soft move. Just my, just my opinion. JMO. No hokey haiku today because we're hitting you with a double whammy of really, really exciting announcements. Uh, first, first of which, I'll, I'll give Pat the reins here because this is it's both of our home state, but it's close, near, and dear to Pat Finn. Uh, go ahead and set the table for what's going on. R. <laughs> you got to do the U. R. R. U. Oh, what, have you never been to a Rutgers game? No, not one time ever. Wow. I thought you were just going to ask me, are you coming with us to SHI Stadium this fall? <laughs> I think we might need to clip that and put that out on social media because that was awesome. Virginia Tech, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, keep chopping. If you guys remember when we were all in middle school, they went on this epic run. They were tearing it up. On Thursday night, you got Jeremy Ito kicking the game-winning field goal to take down the number three Louisville Cardinals in 2006. And Ito, remember the Sky Cam when the Sky Cam was like very much an infant stages thing? Jeremy Ito points at it. And then pandemonium in Piscataway. You got fans coming in from every side of the stadium. you never seen a field rush as good as the pandemonium in Piscataway. So that's number one. The next year, USF came to town. Number two, USF, Matt Grothy and the Growhawk. And Rucker said, no, 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 this is 2007. And you know what happens in 2007? If you're the number two team or the number one ranked team, you're not making it one week in the polls at that position. You're getting, you're getting the boot out of the top five. And Rutgers made sure that they're nowhere near where they were 17 and 16 years ago. However, a lot of Hokies up in Jersey. A lot of Hokies around Philly, a lot of Hokies in the DMV, a lot of Hokies in Manhattan and all over that area. So we are bulk ordering some seats, maybe 50, maybe 75, maybe 100. And we will be putting this information over Twitter, uh, all over Instagram. If you want to make sure that you are in this uh, seating arrangement, please reach out to us on Twitter, specifically in our Twitter DMs. And uh, we want to make sure that you are a part of the action. This is not going to be, we're not sitting on Jupiter. We're going to sit field level. It's going to be awesome. Shoot us a DM. Also, we are working with some of our very talented artists. And um, I'll give some credit here. The idea came from the Seven Line Army. Mets fans travel very well. And every year they do a couple of away games where the seven line army all takes over a section and they get to walk away with a t-shirt. So we will be doing tickets. We will be doing t-shirts. We're all going to sit together. We're all going to be loud. We're all going to be proud. And you're going to get the full New Jersey experience. Let us know if you're interested in coming. It's going to be awesome. 
Speaking of t-shirts, we have a new online storefront. In the spirit of supporting local businesses and the Virginia Tech community, we are moving our storefront production over to the Southwest Virginia Shop. That's right. Southwest Virginia Shop is founded by a Hokie grad. Class of 2018 excellence, by the way, in case any of you are wondering. Uh, all apparel will be made right here in the U.S. of A and shipped to you wherever you are. Hey, look, if you're in China and you want to order some stuff, it's coming from the USA. If you want to order it in Australia, you want to order it in Germany, that's fine. But the economy will be booming in Southwest Virginia. Additionally, with this partnership, we are offering 10% off of all apparel from the Southwest Virginia shop. Use code SUNSVT. They have awesome stickers, awesome hoodies, awesome T-shirts. I just went ahead and I got myself the Win sweatshirt that they have available. So check it out. Awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. You know, yesterday was the 4th of July, Billy. It sounds like you might have been listening to some Toby Keith. <laughs> and we are asking you to spend a little more in the store for a tag in the back that says USA. That's right. That is right. So go on down there, Southwest Virginia Shop. They're awesome. And uh, check out what they have from themselves and from us. So the exclusive one-stop shop. Recruiting wins. People want to talk about recruiting. I want to talk about recruiting because recruiting is awesome right now. Some more awesome news off of that front. Gerard Johnson has committed to Virginia Tech on July 1st. He is a four-star edge rusher from Frank W. Cox High School and 87 point. 89.76 on the composite for 24-7. He picked Virginia Tech over the University of Virginia. I have no idea what's happening at the University of Virginia. Their recruitment is 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 just horrible. Um, worse than normal. Uh, and Virginia Tech's is better than normal. So they, we also got Noah Jenkins. He committed on uh, June 30th, a three-star athlete from... Yes, the Virginia Tech Highland Spring Hokies. He is joining and coming on down from Highland Springs High School. Pat, who do we beat out? Who do we beat out? Some big names. Penn State and South Carolina. We said, hey. Hey, James. Hey, Shane. Sorry, guys. We love you. But stay the heck out of the 804. Highland Springs. We are putting a maroon and orange fence around Highland Springs High School. We're saying, do not come in here. You are not welcome. This Frequen is quick, Virginia Tech. Quick frequency hop, just because you did say uh, we love James Franklin. I know you didn't mean it. Out of Coach, James Franklin. Coach Pry, Coach Pry and James Franklin have a great relationship. Right, right. Uh, no, uh, not, not, not poo-pooing. I just simply want to ask, who do you prefer out of the two coaches from the great state of Pennsylvania? Pat Narduzzi versus James Franklin. Uh, <laughs> it's toughy. I, I love Narduzzi. I, I, I'm a big Nardog fan. I, I, I do enjoy him. He's one of those guys you hate to have on the other team, but if he's your guy, you're probably pretty fired up about it. Great, great analogy. I, I agree with that tenfold uh, because I think he just – I think he has more personality, you know? I agree. And, uh, yeah, I'm just not a, not a James Franklin guy. That's okay. That's okay. But anyway, James Franklin did mentor Coach Pry into teaching him how to recruit the hell out of the state of Virginia. So currently the Hokie stand is the eighth ranked class in the ACC and the 37th ranked class in America. The class bolsters three four stars and three and 10 three stars. 
Looking forward as we're waiting to hear from Chons Wiggins, who is a three-star wideout from King George High School and a top 10 player in the state. He announces on his birthday, July 6th, he'll be choosing between Tech, Duke, Maryland, and Penn State. Those were his last four visits. And a name who has been pretty painful the last couple of years with uh, recruits, Zon Burden is his recruiting uh, coach at the University of Duke, who is recruiting really, really well right now. So interested to see what happens with Chons Wiggins. Who else are we looking forward to hearing from here, Pat? You say the University of Duke? Duke University. July 6th is tomorrow. When the, when you guys are listening to this pod, we're probably going to have an idea of uh, where Chons or Chans uh, is spending his next two, three, four, or five years. Now, uh, we also have a big-time athlete out of Virginia Beach who is making his decision on July July 13th. His name is Keelan Adams. He goes by Brody. I know Brody is his nickname. Brody Run High School out in the beach. Uh, listed at 6'2", 185 per his Twitter account bio. Brody Adams is a four-star. He's a top-five player in the state of Virginia. It looks like it's going to be Tech or South Carolina or Alabama or Pittsburgh or Ohio State. That was his final five from May 13th. Uh, you know, we're almost two months away from uh, that. He's making an his announcement next week. So a week from tomorrow, a week from Thursday. Right now, just looking at the, you know, the crystal ball universe, we got rivals. The future cast says that Tech is in the driver's seat uh, with a 60 to 40 Virginia Tech lean over Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is at 40. Now on three, we'll tell you not so fast, my friend. He is a 79% lean to South Carolina. So turn on your tweet notifications for on three. Turn on your tweet notifications for rivals. Turn on your tweet notifications for the crystal balls. There's no crystal ball yet in for Keelan Adams. So uh, we will be watching this one go down to the wire here over the next week. Speaking of tweets, I love it when you guys do this. You guys have done a great job, guys and gals, over the summertime, which is usually a really, really tough uh, content time. But you have been giving us plenty of content on Twitter to discuss, and that's what we're going to do today. We are going to jump into the talk and tweet segment. First and foremost is a tweet that took over Twitter for basically the entire week, and then we're going to go over some of your hottest, most controversial related takes. No, this is not hot wings and hot takes. That comes a little bit closer to the season. But let's start off with this tweet from CJ Sweat. Sweets, we at CJ. Virginia Tech fans, if Brent Pry wins less than seven games, does he get a third year? 50,000 views, multiple, multiple threads going on, breaking this down. Patently, this is an insane question. And before I get into the why, I want to get into this wins number thing. I say this ad nauseum. We are so guilty of always saying, well, we need to win X amount of games. I don't think we can beat so-and-so. I think we definitely should beat so-and-so. This all happens before camp starts. It happens before any of you know who's starting at quarterback, not only for our team, but the teams that we're going to play. And here we go. I'm going to give you a little little humble pie here. I'm going to participate in that game multiple times. Matei's going to send me an email in August 
And it's going to say, how many games do you think the Hokies are going to win? And I'm going to shoot out a number. And I'm probably going to shoot out a number that's pretty high because I am an eternal optimist, and that's where I like to live. It's probably going to be wrong. We may win more. We may win less. But notice how I said I'm going to guess how many games. It is very rare that you are in a position where you need to judge the tenure of a coach solely based upon how many games that they win. Speaking to specifically to Virginia Tech in general, this is a coach who has flipped more than 50% of the roster. He is in year two of a rebuild. And again, we do this every single year. Do you think anybody last year in the Big 12 was sitting around saying, hey, we need to beat K-State? Well, K-State won the Big 12 last year. Did anybody have that on their bingo boards? On top of that, TCU, who also was in the Big 12 championship, went to the college football playoff. On the flip side, did anyone anticipate Clemson taking a step back, not only due to DJ Uwagungalele leaving, but also Tony Elliott departing and completely taking their offensive identity and then instilling his offensive identity at UVA? And we have no idea what their offensive identity is. The report card on Coach Pry is not tied to wins and losses. To me, to me, it is tied to recruiting process progress, which is happening, on-the-field coaching improvements, spur-of-the-moment timeouts, handling big situations, which he has taken ownership from, and he has made some staff tweaks, so we're looking to see that. And also finding a way to punch through on some of those close games. You look back at Old Dominion, you look back at Miami, you look back at NC State, you look back at Georgia Tech. Those were all one-score football games, and two of them were one-point football games. I think this is a absolutely ridiculous statement. It's not even a statement. It's more so posing a question. But I think you were getting at it. Um, if we win seven games next year, I- I'm going to be a very, very happy individual. I'll, I'll-, I'll put it that way. Uh, Liberty fan trying to rally up and rile up Virginia Tech fans. It was a Liberty fan. Okay. I didn't know that. So I just say, you know, grain of salt. <laughs> That's it. Move on. CJ Sweat. Mr. Accomplished. He did rile up the fan base. Drift had a pretty funny tweet. It was just like, next time we have any Virginia Tech takes, consult CJ Sweat. (laughs) Drift's been on a tear lately. It's been cracking me up. So today, earlier on, we put out a tweet. Uh, It was, what was your most controversial Hokies-related tweet take? And we're going to run through some of them. We're going to give our opinions. Pat, I know you're going to have some Hokie history here. So I went and I did a bunch of research just so I could kind of hold my own weight here. Sleet Hernandez, who I love, by the way. Uh, This is our second time featuring a tweet of his. Love the profile picture. Probably a Mets fan. Love to see it. Uh, He says, if they stayed in the Big East, they would have been even more dominant and could have parlayed it into another national championship appearance. Slash SEC invite in the 2010s. Okay, so the first half of your statement, they would have been even more dominant. If I took a great white shark and I put it in Lake Norman, it would absolutely dominate Lake Norman. It would eat all of the smallmouth bass. It would eat all of the pike. It would eat all of the sunnies. It would eat all of the walleye. Peck and Miami left the Big East in 2004. This conversation is very fast. With Miami leaving, Tech would have been in a very large pit, fish in a very small pond. 
This pond also basically extincted football relevance by 2012 and 2013. Here are all of the top 10 finishes post-2004 in the Big East. West Virginia finished 5th in 2005. Louisville finished 6th. And West Virginia finished 10th in 2006. 6th ranked West Virginia in 2007. 8th ranked Cincinnati in 2009. Look, post-2004, after Miami's departure, you would have had two big in-conference games, West Virginia and Louisville. Pat, yes, Rutgers had a little stint in there as well. Um, I, I cannot be more against that notion of staying in that league, I actually think it would have decimated and set us back eons, eons, eons. Um, moving to the ACC was great. Not going into the SEC, if that actually was a possibility, was a little bit of a miss. I believe the quicker that you're able to get into I always want to be challenged. I want to be challenged. If that means that you play against teams and you lose against good teams during the regular season, um, that's what I want to see. I don't want to be a, you know, I don't want to dominate a small pond. I want to play the I want to play the big players out there. And you're just not going to do that in the Big East. I guess what was the ACC putting up numbers wise in those same years? How many top 10 ACC teams were there? I know like Tech and Miami were both top 10 in 2005, for example, at one point. Um, I know Tech finished number three in the BCS in 2007. Some solid Florida State teams where you had uh, you had Mr. Ponder. Were there ten, top 10 teams, though? I don't think any of those Florida State teams were top 10 ranked teams. Let's look it up. I wonder if we could find that. And then, you know, you had like 2009 Miami was ranked in the top 10 at one point, but they fell out. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's an awful argument. I do like if we want to have a case study here, we can look at 2005 West Virginia. 2005 West Virginia went 11 and 1 in the Big East and they beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. Their only loss that year was to Virginia Tech at home. Um, their conference wins. They beat Syracuse on the road. They beat Rutgers on the road. And then the only in-conference game that they had was Louisville at home, which they won in three overtimes. You know, UConn, Cincy, Pittsburgh, South Florida. So I think, I think you would have to run the table – in the Big East to get a look at the national championship game. I mean, hell, in in two thousand in two thousand four, Auburn went undefeated and didn't make the national championship. Mm-hmm. Now you got an eleven to one West Virginia team that didn't get a look for the Natty. Um, I actually don't even think they finished in the top. They finished number five overall in the AP, six in the coaches. Um, and that was an 11 and one team. So I think it's an interesting debate. I just think you would have to run the table every single year. However, that could have happened. You know, I'm looking at the schedule from 2004 or uh, 2005 for West Virginia and, and, you know, tech probably would have run the table. So I'm looking here at the list and, so the difference that I noticed from the list that I looked at before is the ACC is finishing with four to six teams in the top 25 every single year as to, uh, in, in terms of top 10 teams after 2004. Excuse me? You got one or two every right. year. You have your Georgia Tech, who's you know ranked 22. Mm-hmm. You got your Maryland, who might be ranked 25. You yeah. got you know Carolina, who might be dipping in and out. 
you know, we yeah, you got Virginia Tech 10th in 2004. You got uh, Virginia Tech number seven in 2005. You have you got UVA yeah. in 07. Yeah, so like the conference top to bottom was stronger from the ACC. But yeah, I, I think you would just have to run the table. And also, this is before the playoff era. So yes. you have to be either number one or the number two team. And, you know, there were some pretty dominant teams, um, you know, in that era as well that were finishing up at one and two that, you know, would, would likely get the look over a Big East team. Yeah, not to mention who knows how the dominoes fall if you don't, you know, exiting with Miami is more attractive than Virginia Tech trying to exit on their own, in my opinion, post-2004. Um, so who knows what division Virginia Tech, maybe they do end up in the ACC. Uh, I do think that it would have set the program back if we did stay around in the Big East and then that entire division blows up and basically walks away from football. Um, so, yeah, I guess – I guess so, at, I, don't know, I don't know if you can really say that, you know, it was it's bad. Not the, I mean, it's look, not as definitive. Yeah. Cincinnati made the playoff last year. Mm-hmm. You know, West Virginia upgraded by going to the Big 12. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Louisville upgraded by going to the ACC. So I think if if Miami would have never left, I like, I don't know what the situation was. If Miami was leaving, leaving regardless, but if Miami stays too, then the Big East is probably still a strong strong conference yeah again though i mean 2004 you got four top 25 teams 2005 you have five top 25 teams so you know just really depends on what what you want do you want to compete you know have two games that i know we always poo poo on the uh, acc schedule but the acc schedule kind of meant something back then now it doesn't but um you know, like you said, Georgia Tech's brand meant something back then. Clemson was okay. Boston College was better. Virginia was better. Um, so top to bottom, definitely better. But I guess through going through the exercise, it's not as definitive as I was saying. But again, I do believe that the ACC is a bigger pond. The next question is one that is a little bit interesting. And I'm actually going to try one of these features. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see it. Um, S Bramscombe 19 says the all maroon helmets are hideous, hideous, interesting, interesting point. Now, Patrick, hear me out. I know everybody listening is saying, Oh, oh, I love the maroon helmets. Maroon's an awesome color. It is. Maroon is a fantastic color. I love when we come out and we wear all maroon. Let me pull up my Google slides. Okay. Wow. This helmet The matte maroon helmet was absolutely fantastic. Dynamite, they may say. We brought these out, I believe, in 2018 for the the first time. No, it wasn't for the first time for you historians. There's Dax. We wore them with the the fighting gobbler. I absolutely love the matte maroon look. I love the matte maroon look, but I did not like this helmet. No, no, no. I'm talking strictly. Okay. We're talking strictly, strictly the helmet, strictly okay. the bones. Foundation, no logos. Strictly the bones. And then, as another maroon that I love, the Coach Beamer throwback helmets. Here's Isaiah Ford catching one of the million footballs that he caught against Tulsa in the Independence Bowl. Here is uh, J.C. Coleman. These are just great looking helmets. I love the white VT logo. I love the white face mask. Just a classic, classic look. Now, aside from that, this slide did not update, so I do not have it on the slides, but we are learning how to use it. 
<laughs> the maroon helmets, since I believe 2013, they started to instill a gold flake um, as opposed to basically kind of the straightforward maroon helmet. I prefer that. I think it's hard nosed. I think it says I'm going to run through your face. I think we were rocking the gold flakes for like, I think we've been doing that for over 20 years, Bill. I don't think we have. Yeah, I was looking Decker Pat. I don't think we have because I was looking at, um, I was looking at the Chick-fil-A bowl when we played against Tennessee and I was looking at Ryan Williams and his helmet was one of those. It, it, it at least wasn't it was a prominent a picture. It could be a bad picture. I'm I'm googling it right now. Are you sure? Because I think ours are definitely a little bit more shinier now than they were in the past. There might be some gold flakes in there. I think I think the margin here is you know, you know how good is your magnifying glass? I I can't really tell. Where are you on the maroon versus uh, the maroon shine versus the matte though? Would you be okay if we completely replaced it with the matte? I don't think the mat is like a permanent fixture. I think the mat is like a special occasion helmet. So no, I would like to see the mat helmet, you know, every now and then. I will say, if you want to have some fun, look back at some of the stuff that we wore back in the eighties. Some of those uh, with the tech on the side, you had the stars on it where, you know, if you made somebody in little league do a snot bubble, they give you, they give you a star. I loved those helmets as well. Um, but I would love to see, I know Al Jones mentioned it, the white face masks once a year, Maybe do it for the UVA game. Maybe do it for, you know, old timers day, oh, yeah. something. They got to find a way to incorporate that. Those are just absolute slam dunk. We should be having those, I think, at least once a year. I got to tell you, a uniform that I just don't really love is when we go on the road and we wear maroon lids, white tops, maroon pants. Don't love that look at all. We've really struggled lately while wearing it. I'm thinking <laughs> of the West Virginia game in 21. I'm thinking of the Pittsburgh game last year. Um, it feels like countless times we've we've gone and just haven't performed very well uh, in that combo. We need to we need to increment or in, implement the white <laughs> pants, maroon lid, white top, white yeah. bottoms. That is my favorite road combo. Think Notre of Notre Dame, Dame 2016. Notre Dame 2016. Yeah, you got to think of the Florida State game in 2018. Uh, just a really solid look. Pat, I know, uh, I know, Beamer's Auto Garage and you are going to be on the same page here. Oh yeah. So Beamer's Auto Garage says you don't go to a football game to watch your phone. Cell service is not that crucial. We are okay. Not seeing the entrance <laughs> recorded from your shaky phone 30 seconds after it happened. I could not agree more. Couldn't agree more. I've, get, I've been getting some pushback from people saying that our recruiting would improve. if My guy, Brian, Brian Holbrook. Brian yeah. Holbrook is, is very dedicated to this take. He does have some data to back it up as well. What data? Uh, if th there's a few articles out there on what uh, some schools have implemented from, you know, leveraging uh, like profiles for every single fan, um, kind of like a fan journey throughout game day, utilizing Wi-Fi, utilizing data collection. Like they've done a lot of good stuff there. Um, that and Wi-Fi are two separate things, though. Yeah. I I thought his, you know, he may have added that on. I think that 
I don't think any recruit is making a decision to come to Virginia Tech if they watch their 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 homeboy um, do a live stream of of the entrance for Andrew Salmon. I'm just I'm I'm not seeing I'm not see, I'm not seeing uh, X equals Y here. I'm not I'm not picking up on that. No, if the if the visit was good, they'll hear about it. Regardless, it'll be tweeted out. The video will be available on Hokies FB. Um, as bad as the cameras are, the UNC video has been on the timeline. I feel like it's recirculated by Barstool or somebody. It seems like every 30 days. So, um, I mean, imagine how good it would look if we had some good cameras. Pat, you said that shout needs to be ended or edited before I give my take. Um, get, just kind of expand on that a little bit. I think it's just, you've seen it a million times, you know? My problem isn't necessarily with how many times it's been done. I just genuinely feel like it's not as loud. I feel like the crowd buy-in, we said this to each other multiple times in Castle Coliseum this year. The crowd buy-in is not there. (laughs) When done correct, it's good. When you incorporate funny things like a Trey Turner TikTok video, maybe a, um, you know, literally anything. When you incorporate some of the funnies in there, it's good. But if you're not going to buy in and we're not going to have a lot of people behind it, sort of like the whiteout, um, I don't think we should do it. So I'm actually with you there. Yeah, I think it's just it's just a song that, you know, you've heard a million times and you're ready for something new because it's not it's not under Sandman. You know, it's not like uh, we can incorporate something new mm-hmm. now. Um, the whiteout, you just said, yes. I'm I'm. I'm just curious if there's anyone, if there's anyone who likes the whiteout. That's because I, I think that would be a hot take. So I don't like the white whiteout because nobody participates. Now, if you ask me, would I rather do a whiteout or a blackout in terms of apparel? Um, I think the whiteout, I think a blackout would be fantastic. But again, if like half the fan base is going to do it, it's going to look horrible. That's just that's just the way that it is. When we did the maroon effect against Notre Dame in 2019, that looked uh, 2019. No, is that 2018? 2018. That looks fantastic. There was great. Talking about the stripe, the stadium. The stripe. Yeah, it was uh, the hokey effect. The hokey effect. Yeah. And we did um, the split and split against West Virginia. That looked really good. It's all about buying. And if people are not buying in, and also if you're tying it to games where people are just not in a position to buy in kind of like we did against Wofford. It's it's not going to look very good and it's just going to look kind of crummy. So let's stick to maroon. Let's stick to orange. Let's do the hokey effect for big games and go from there. What game is the white effect this year? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to send in my no RSVP. While I look this up, you can you can uh, I can jump into the next one here. Wi-Fi argument, Tyler Smith. Wi-Fi Wi-Fi argument is for cheap pops. (laughs) In fact, I had better phone service last season than I ever have in Blacksburg. And to take a step further, give me the LED upgrades over Wi-Fi any day of the week. Watch the game and take in the atmosphere. Save the phones for later. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of, um, I don't know if it was NBA. Yeah, I think it was NBA. The Michael Jordan shot. Everyone's just, you know, their hands are at their sides and they're Mm -hmm. excited. Uh, Maybe there was a shot last year. I don't remember, but there's, oh, I think it was LeBron 
breaking the record maybe. Mm-hmm. And you see at least like 600 phones up in the air taking pictures. Same can be said for um, any, golf. any golf event, any golf event, excluding the masters, the masters. We've talked about this before on this podcast. Phenomenal. How you just, you lock your phone away. You just live, enjoy, take deep breaths, enjoy the people you're with, you know, no need to go clout chasing when you're at the masters. And, uh, yeah, so that's my take on the Wi-Fi. The the uh, the white effect game has been announced for, oh, dude. It's Pit. Okay, it's Pit. Kind of a rivalry game. It's definitely maybe, a rivalry game. It's one of the only three. Buy in. Yeah. Like, what if what if this game is the eight o'clock ACC Network game of the week? And all of a sudden, you got a night game, and it's the white effect, and people are going to buy in. I don't know. Maybe this is the test. Maybe we've seen so many white effects in the past that have been sour because of the opponent, because of the time of day. You get a night game. You get a lot more time during the day to find a white shirt. So (laughs) let's use this as our proof of concept. We did did do the the white effect for the Duke 2019 debacle. Mm Mm-hmm. And we saw how that went. I think that was one of the few conference games we've done the white effect for. If you guys remember the Boston College game in 2016, that was a white effect. 49 nothing. Isaiah, epic catch in between two defenders. Um, so, yeah. All right, on to the next next one here, Bill. Angry Gobbler, Lane Stadium would look great with artificial turf. Um, I no way. I hope this is a joke. Turf is soft. It does not look like football. It does not feel like football. It does not smell like football. No, uh, that is not only a hot take. That is, um, in my opinion, sacrilege. I, 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 I would, I would march on Burris Hall if they started doing, um, if they started doing artificial turf. Turf. When Notre Dame sold out and implemented field turf at Notre Dame Stadium, that was a sacrilege play. Do I think it looks better visually? Yeah, but there was nothing more traditional than the, the those like diagonally striped mm-hmm. end zones that Notre Dame had. You could just tell that game was played on grass. You ever turn on a Northwestern game and yes. you're like, that is played on grass. You watch mm-hmm. the Northwestern game, you're like, I feel like the grounds crew hasn't cut that grass in like two weeks, you know? I'll never forget the game where they almost beat Ohio State, Carlos Hyde. Um, played an incredible game. They have the, they have the tallest, tallest grass. I kind of get it from Notre Dame's perspective, being in the middle of nowhere and it's cold. There's really no excuse for a team that's below the uh, by the below the Mason Dixon line. And um, no, just don't don't do that, please. I, I really I would be really really disappointed if that happened. Um, the next one comes from Tech underscore sideline. Um, first, uh, he says Beamer should have been forced out in 2012. First of all, um, this account tweets a lot of uh, goofy stuff, impersonates other accounts. Shouldn't do that. Kind of weird, kind of whack. Um, but we'll just talk about the question itself. Let's look at some hokey history with a four-year tale. 2012 was the first year that Tech didn't win 10 games since 2003. That is eight 10-win seasons in a row. I'm also not sure if you're familiar with who Frank Beamer is. 
He is Virginia Tech. He is the reason that our football pro that we get so angry about our football program when it is not performing up to par. He is the reason we have a massive stadium. He is the reason college game day comes to Virginia Tech. He is the reason that all of this gets to happen. They were runners up in the ACC in 2011. They won the ACC in 2010. Um, there is just absolutely no way that you can possibly ever have that conversation. It's it's even surprising to think that, you know, when it was a murmur, I don't even know how you even bring that up. You kind of just, I, I don't, I don't even know where to go with this. I, I don't know how you even pose that question in 2012. It's, it's clickbait trolling next, next, not worth the time, effort, energy, or resources, Billy Ray Mitchell. Uh, this is one from uh, Diablo fan account. I want to do an entire episode on this, uh, but I do want to pose the question just as a, as a teaser. Uh, he basically said Brian Steinspring does not deserve the BS that he gets from the fan base. Uh, he was one of the best recruiters that we had ever at Virginia Tech. At a very high level, I do think that Coach Steinspring gets an unnecessary amount of flack. I also believe, should we even talk about this? I mean, let's get him on the pod. Come on the pod and tell your story, Coach Steiny. I would love to have Coach Steiny out. I'm going to do that. I am going to shoot Coach Steiny a DM and have him come on and talk about it. I do think that uh, I do think that Coach Steinspring does get too much crap, though. I will I will attest to that. All right, what do we got here? Okay. Thank you, Diablo fan account, as always, for that submission. Now we're going to roll in. To one of the best tweets of the week <laughs> from Reddit CFB at Reddit CFB tweeted yesterday. Breaking 13 colonies led by George Washington, a six star out of Mount Vernon, have entered the transfer portal. So that leads us into the pylons for this week where we will be snake drafting. All things that are red, white, and blue. Okay? So, get yeah. ready. I will go first. I will do the honors. Let me pull up my red, white, and blue notepad. Okay. Number one. You know, a staple of my childhood was when the ice cream truck... Oh, he's took mine. Would would whip it around town. You would hear the little jingle, and you would say, "Hey, mom, can we get ice cream?" And mom would say, "No, we haven't <laughs> eaten dinner yet." And I'm just like, "You're right." So then, how about tomorrow? And you know, we would make sure we would eat dinner early so we could have ice cream tomorrow. When I rolled up to the ice cream truck, I say, "Hey, Alex, Mister Ice Cream Guy, I would like a jumbo." Italian ice and the three flavors that I want are lemon cherry and sky blue red white and blue combo jumbo uh, the best Italian ice in Basking Ridge New Jersey so that is my number one pick wow I thought you were gonna take mine but you did not I went with uh, something a little bit more generic I went with the firecrackers um, it was like a uh, popsicle, popsicle type deal it was just the first thing I thought of but my second pick might be stronger than my first pick. I went with a barber pole. 
Oh, Pat, you and I, you and I have both had very long hair over the last couple of years. Um, <laughs> whether it be due to um, the COVID nineteen pandemic that shut down all of the barber shops, or it be just us saying, you know what, I want to have a uh, a flow that we in our head think is going to look a lot better than it actually does. Um, a barber pole, red, white, and blue. It's spinning. I looked it up. I thought it had some extravagant name. No, it is just called the Barber Pole. So that is my second round pick. That is a fantastic pick, Bill. All right, my uh, my second pick, it's something that we love. Now, is it our favorite thing? Mm. No. But is it something that we absolutely love and are excited to see come back here this fall? Yes. It's the NFL logo. <laughs> NFL logo, red, white, and blue. It's America. We love the NFL. We love football. And then my third pick here. This is actually kind. I'm not going to call this a cop out, but it is. It's kind of a combo. Um, you know, sometimes we we like to go on vacation. We like to enjoy ourselves. Maybe we go to a beach. Maybe we're going to the mountains. Maybe we're going to see family. Sometimes my vehicle is American Airlines. Sometimes my vehicle, and preferably, is Delta <laughs> Airlines, both of which have red, white, and blue logos. Well done. Well done. On the subject of traveling, you know, it's a long trip. It's a daunting trip. Three absolute studs from Virginia Tech women's basketball traveled there. It is the flag of Australia donning the red, the white, and the blue um, Steve Irwin, Oscar Bradburn, um, Georgia Amor, just countless, countless legends hailing from Australia. Koala Bears, just an incredible country, red, white, and blue. I am also going to follow that up with Coors Lights, red, white, uh, and the mountains do indeed turn yeah. blue. So Coors Light will be my final submission for the red, white, and blue draft. My response there, I will say, one, any USA flag. Obviously, the USA flag is the best we could have done here, but that would have been a cop-out. So creativity, bonus points for the Australian flag. Thank you. And then I'm just going to let the whole thing slide. The uh, Coors Light, they're known as silver bullets. I don't know where you're picking the white from. So if you go ahead and you Google the logo, it 100% has white in it. I did this earlier because I thought that you would hit me with that silver um, that silver thing. But indeed, there are uh, there is white on the logo, both on the box and on the can and on the okay. bottle. If All that right. does not work for you, I can go ahead and I could substitute it for Pepsi. But I don't really drink Pepsi, so I uh, I went with beer. That is more than okay. Well, I'm about to win the draft. Okay. Because, okay. Because when we were we were young middle schoolers, you know, there was this team. They were pretty good. You know, um, a lot of people were making comps to the Don Shula. What is it? The 72 Dolphins? Mm-hmm. The only team to ever go undefeated in the NFL. And there was this team. They they were rolling. Absolutely rolling into the Super Bowl. 18-0 and they were. But guess what? 
Eli Manning and his red, white, and blue Giants jersey took down the mighty Goliath in Super Bowl 42. And then he took him down again in Super Bowl 46 in his red, white, and blue New York football Giants uniforms. So we were talking about cop-outs. You said that you win the draft by dabbling two times in the NFL realm. Twice. You picked the NFL logo and you picked an NFL team. That would have been like me saying that I'll take the Australian flag and I'll take the British flag, which would have been less than impressive. Oh, I completely disagree. <laughs> so, so I bet I bet you're, you saying, you're saying you're saying you didn't love Eli Manning. I'm I, I love yes, I loved Eli Manning. I don't know if it would be the top of I, I just think going NFL and New York Giants is is you're you're double dip. You're, you're you get you got on me for at the golf tournament wearing rowback, double rowback. You're you're double lettering <laughs> in the draft. You just double lettered in the draft, dude. I don't th- I think a logo and uniforms are different than a logo and a logo, which you did with your rowback. Your I'm rowback. Not sure if, I'm not sure if anything beats the barber pole, but um, we'll leave that to the listener. To uh, barber to pole, barber pole was good. Tiki barber. <laughs> Long-time running back of Eli Manning, but never won a Super Bowl. <laughs> he also hailed from the University of Virginia, as did his twin bar, uh, his twin barber, Rondé. Man, this honorable been... mentions, honorable mentions, Jello shots, red, white, and blue Jello okay. shots, the Washington Nationals uniforms, and uh, strawberries and blueberries with whipped cream. Strawberries and whip- blueberries with whipped cream should have been on the list. Just gonna. Go I feel like you would have told me that was a cop out. No, that's a good. No, that's a good. That's a good. That. No, that's a really good one. I. I would have. I would have been impressed. I am impressed. Um. Okay. What a journey. Thank you all for taking that with us. We're gonna wrap this up with Jarky shoutouts. Um. Shout out to Jackson Mitchell. He graduated from Officer Training School. He moves to Pensacola. Jackson, a homeowner. Um. He has told me ad nauseum. He makes fun of me about it. Um. But that's cool. Proud of him. Really excited for him. He's headed down to flight school in Pensacola. So shout out to Jackson Mitchell. Shout out to Jackson Mitchell. Um, I think that's I think that's all I got, man. No Luke Combs. Out. Luke Combs coming to the Queen City next weekend. We got BRM and mm-hmm. Ed. I don't know Ed's middle name. Are you Ed, gonna tailgate with us? Ed Williams. So you're not really going to tailgate. You're going to hang out around South End and go to bars in South End. You're not going to. Will tailgate. you hang out? Will you come hang out? Yeah. Okay. All right. You're Sorry. staying with me. <laughs> <laughs> this is like how ninety percent of my conversations with Billy usually go. Uh, it's going to be fun. I'm excited about it. Charlotte. We had a lot of fun stuff happening in Charlotte here. We got the. Um... Yeah, I'm just rambling now. Whatever. But we, we do have hot wings and hot takes coming up. We do have Luke Combs coming up. Uh, we do have some basketball games coming up in November. So let's get excited. These are July podcasts for you. Um, keep sending up some stuff for us to talk about, and we'll talk about it. Until then, until next time, I'm going to continue to work on how to use the slide feature. <laughs> and I'm going to go Good. to bed. I liked it. Good night, right, everybody. We'll talk soon.
time to wander, tripping in the sand. We smoke out windows, drink till we can't stand. But I saw you dance like you want to in my head. All 